I believe that moms, we have such power that is right now being held back by the guilt that we have. And if we can overpower that guilt, the things that we'd be able to accomplish, like it's world changing. One thing I wish I could free all moms from is mom guilt. I know you've heard me talk about this before, and it is just in the way of us thriving for sure. And it's like a boulder that we carry around so much. And I wish I could just take the boulder off of everybody's shoulders. Well, I think our guest today is going to help us. Joanne Crone is a parenting educator and a life coach who helps moms feel confident in raising empowered kids while pursuing their own goals. She's the host of the award-winning podcast, No Guilt Mom, an accomplished author and speaker, appearing in national media and founder of the company, No Guilt Mom. Her specialty is helping moms go from martyr to model, role modeling the behavior they want to see in their kids and forming deeper and more supportive relationships. I love that. Joanne is a former elementary school teacher with a master's degree in curriculum and instruction, as well as a national board certified teacher in middle childhood education. She's a mom to two kids, ages 14 and 10. And I hope you love and benefit from today's conversation. Hi, Joanne. Welcome to Brave Together podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me here. I have been like looking at your stuff and listening to your episodes. And I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. Definitely. And when we met at Mom 2.0 and you told me what you did, I thought, oh my gosh, she's passionate about moms not walking around with a boulder of guilt. So I so appreciate your work and all that you're doing and all the good content that you are putting out in the world. So thank you, Joanne. Well, thank you. Yeah, I believe that like moms, we have such power that is right now being held back by the guilt that we have. And if we can overpower that guilt, the things that we'd be able to accomplish, like it's world changing. Ah, I love that. So How did you come to be so passionate about talking about mom guilt and freeing moms of the guilt? So I did not want to be a parent, honestly. I... I was scared. I saw my parents' lives where, I mean, and they were wonderful. My dad was a teacher. My mom was um, worked at the hospital. But they would come home and it would seem like their whole lives revolved around us. They didn't have many outside friends. They didn't go out a lot. My mom seemed frequently stressed. I remember a conversation she used to have with my dad. My dad's like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And my mom says, why do I always have to tell you what to do? And That has stuck with me as well as seeing how hard it was for my mom when I went off to college and how she didn't have that purpose sustaining her outside of kids. Everything was devoted to kids. So that made me a little hesitant to become a parent. And my husband, he always had wanted kids and I loved kids. I was a camp counselor. I was a teacher. I loved kids. And it took until we went to his cousin's house and we saw his two cousins who were like about eight years older than we were starting a business 
while having these two kids and they had these wonderful, fulfilled lives, his cousin's wife, like part of the business, like doing the things. And that's when I realized I'm like, this can be something that is on my own terms. And it doesn't have to be me completely devoted to my kids the entire time. I still have a life. I am still me, but I just have these kids in addition to it. So that's what I want to help other moms to see too. You are still you. You still have a life. You may have forgotten what that looks like if you've been very concerned about your kids, but it is still there and it is the path to you being completely fulfilled and showing your kids what a fulfilled adult life looks like. I love that. I uh, align with that completely. So I appreciate that you are are really encouraging and talking freely about this with so many people. So how do you define mom guilt? I know how I define it. I know how the internet defines it, but like, how do you define it, Joanne? I see mom guilt as having all of these expectations that are put on us by society, put on us by ourselves and thinking that we have to meet all of these expectations and feeling that we're a failure if we don't meet all these expectations, as well as looking to our kids and seeing everything that our kids struggle with is our failure as well, that we have control over all the things. And if something is going wrong, it must be our fault in some way and we need to go to fix it. And so all those feelings that we have of anxiety and feelings of failure, that's how I personally define mom guilt. And where do you think this comes from? What are the reasons for this that women have, mothers have adopted these expectations? That is a really good question. I see it as it's what we grew up with. It's what we saw. Like when we see something It is embedded in our brain. It is almost like we are programmed that way. And if we don't intentionally try to change it, it's how we're going to act. So if we saw our mothers act this way in terms of giving up everything, sacrificing everything for their family, we're going to act this way too. We saw it growing up in media, in television commercials where mom was doing everything and dad was the bumbling idiot not being able to care for the kids in any sort of way. And so that was the model that was really strengthened for us and that we learned about. So I think that being raised that way in terms of hey, this is how moms are supposed to be. They're supposed to do everything. They're supposed to like be in charge of everything. Like that's why we have the mom guilt because it's physically impossible to do all the things without help and without a partner who supports you or friends or community who supports you. So what's the first step? What's the first thing you say to a mom to get her on a path to be free of that guilt? The first thing we talk about is really expectations. Like, what are your expectations? What do you feel needs to be done? And the best example I have of this relates to breastfeeding. Like, when you're a mom, <laughs> like, you know, like, when you're a mom and have like a newborn baby, you hear all these messages like, breast is best and you have to nutritionally provide for your child and like all of these things, like all this pressure that new moms have. And when I had my daughter, who's now 14, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, yes, I'm going to breastfeed and I'm going to like feed her so well and exclusively breastfeed. And then when I go back to work, I'm going to pump and it's going to be a great thing. Well, you know, baby's born, wants to feed 24-7. You're the only one who can feed her. 
Like if you have a partner like my husband, he couldn't do any of the feeding because obviously it's attached to me. And I wasn't getting any sleep. I was crying all the time. And I went to my obstetrician and he's like, oh yeah, it's baby blues. But no, it wasn't. It was this horrible sense of like depression and postpartum anxiety. Um, And finally I went to go see a therapist and it was my first time in therapy and I wasn't getting any sleep. It hurt every single time my daughter latched on, like I was stomping my foot in pain. And she said to me, Joanne, your only responsibility is to feed your child. It doesn't matter if she's breastfed or if she's formula fed. You just have to make sure she's fed. That's it. And so these expectations that I had in my head of, oh, it has to be breastfed. They just dropped right there. And I felt this sense of relief. And in that office, I'm like, well, I'm stopping this thing right now. And I got the sports bras and I got the cabbage leaves and we picked up formula and my husband started taking nighttime feedings. I got my sleep back two weeks later, bam, I was back to like still tired, but less of the anxiety, less of the depression and more feeling like I was supported and I wasn't in this alone. So that goes right now to what we're doing with our kids. What are our expectations that we are putting on ourselves? What are we holding on so close to and not letting go that if we let it go, we could have some relief and some joy and sleep again? So that's the first thing, examining expectations. So good. Examining expectations. Okay. So that's an excellent place to start. And I think we also have to say, okay, as I examine these expectations, what am I willing to let go of? Like, is this actually fact (laughs) or does it just feel like fact, right? I'm the only person that could feed my baby, right? It feels like Mm -hmm. truth. It feels like that's a fact, but it's not the case. So then what do we do? do? Uh, Well, when we have older kids, like it's kind of hard to make that leap to what what expectations are you having right now for your older kids? What expectations do you have in your house? And I think one of the big things that a lot of us struggle with is the work that has to be done in the house, whether it be chores, whether it be getting kids to bed on time and how it can be done and how we can delegate that work. Like there's so many times I go to conferences. I just went to a podcast conference last week where I was gone for five days and I see other women at these podcast conferences, checking in daily, making sure everything's okay at home, making lists of everything that needs to be done while they're gone, like detailed lists, even prepping ahead of time, prepping all of the meals for the family before they even leave the house. And I see this and I just want to hug them because that's so much work to put on yourself. It's so much work and it's not true delegation. And so when we look at delegation and we look to see like, okay, how can I get some of this work off my plate? What are my expectations about it? We need to look at three things. Um, And Eve Rodsky mentions these three things in her book, Fair Play. And it's called the CPE model. So for for us to truly delegate a task, we need to let the other person conceive it, which means that they need to see when it needs to be done. So if it's like taking out the trash, they need to see that the trash needs to be taken out and they do it plan it. So planning how it has to be done. Like, do you like 
take it out of the like the case? Do you tie the bag up? Like how often does it need to be done? And then the execution part. So actually doing the task, actually take the trash out. And so many of us think delegating is just the execution. It's like, okay, go pick up the kids from school, go take the trash out, go do this. That's what my dad wanted when he was like, just tell me what to do. He was just asking for the execution, not knowing that like, hey, most of the work comes from the conceiving and the planning stages, which make up our mental load. So when we look at these expectations and we delegate something to our partners, maybe to our kids, we need to give up that whole thing, the whole package of conceive, plan, and execute. And I make this mistake a lot, like a lot. I am not perfect. When I, my husband and I have the understanding that when I cook, he cleans up the kitchen and that's set. But the other night we were sitting down to a meal and I had cooked and I had all these feelings of like anxiety because all that mom guilt comes up that you're not doing enough or that you're slacking off or that like, oh, your partner's had a hard day too. They should get a chance to rest. Not even considering that you've had a hard day as well. So I'm here thinking and I'm like, are you good with cleaning up the kitchen? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to clean up the kitchen. And I'm like, okay. And I'm still thinking this. And I see my son go and sit down on the couch to watch TV. And immediately the mom guilt like goes in and I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't instilled enough responsibility in him that he's going to do TV instead of helping his dad in the kitchen. And so I'm like, hey, bud, can you like get up and help dad clean up the kitchen? And he just looks at me and he's like, okay. My husband then looks at me and he's like, I thought I got cleanup. And I'm like, you know what? You're totally right. Because here I was planning for him. I was planning to get the help for him in the kitchen (laughs) to make his job easier. And I had already asked him if he got it. So I'm like, okay. And knowing we've had these discussions a lot, I just went in the living room and I sat down. (laughs) But I mean, we get it wrong all the time. We think that we need to be doing more than we are. And we take on more than is necessary. So how do we begin to let go? Because if it's not, if I'm not delegating, okay, do the dishes, somebody whose day is it, do the dishes. And I'm just waiting for them to, oh, notice, oh, okay, the sink is full again, and it's my day. And maybe it'd be a good idea to do this before I go out, or (laughs) that would be amazing, or before I go to bed. Um, It's hard to completely let go as moms like, okay, I'm going to wait for you to figure out that this needs to get done. We've already talked about it. You already know it's your chore. I'm not going to say a word. How do we just let go of that control and the control that then leads us into nagging and all of that? Well, the first thing is uh, like what you said right there, we've already talked about it. You know, it's your chore. So that is the first step, making sure there are clear defined chores and days. Um, And I'd go one step further and times that it needs to be done. So if it's time for the dishes, like what time does that usually happen in? And having that discussion with your kids based on like, what their energy levels are and what your energy levels are. And I'm talking in a general sense. I'm not talking about day by day. So for example, with my daughter, who's 14 now, but we've had discussions much earlier and I'm like, okay, here's what I need. I need the dishes to be unloaded before the next day, before breakfast starts, because it's just really annoying having to go, like looking in the drawer, seeing there's nothing in the drawer and then having to go to the dishwasher, open up the dishwasher and take things out and fish them out. 
And I'm like, when do you want to do the dishes? And she's like, well, I'll do the dishes at night before I go to bed. And she is a, like up late. I go to bed before her. <laughs> she's a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the time that she wants to do the dishes. So we have that as her set time. Now, if it's not done the next morning, well, she still needs a ride to school. And we're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take you to school as soon as those dishes are unloaded. And that's when she stomps through the kitchen, opens up the dishwasher. And she's like, I'm going to be late, mom. And I'm just standing here just being like, okay, okay. Thinking in my head, well, if you'd done it last night, like you said you would, we wouldn't be going through this, but not saying it. And then it's just reinforcing the expectation that you put on them. So there's many ways to do that because our kids ask for things from us so much. And it's a simple statement that's like a when then. When this is done, then I'll take you to school. When like you clean up the living room, then I can take you to your friends. I like that. A long time ago, a behavior therapist taught me this phrase, like non-preferred before preferred. And I just, it changed everything. It's like get dressed before breakfast or do your chores before you get to dinner or whatever it is, you know, it's, that's so helpful. The when then or non-preferred before preferred. Yeah. I love that. So, okay. Let's switch to partners. How do we ask for more help and get them to conceive, plan, execute without nagging? We don't want to be the nag with our partners. We just want a partner who wants to participate or is willing to participate and might need some guidance or direction. And it's very hard for moms to ask for help. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Especially in the moment when we need it, because that's when we're totally stressed and tired and we think that we should be taking care of it. So my suggestion is to approach this issue when you're well-rested, when you aren't upset that your partner hasn't been helping out and approach it like a date. Like when we started this, my husband and I just approached it like a date. We're like, I think that we really need to divide up the household duties. Like there's a lot I'm doing right now. I know you want to help out. And I think we just really need to sit down and figure this out. And we have this uh, checklist in our balance community called the household responsibilities lists. And it lists all of these responsibilities that you could just go through and be like, it's my job or it's my partner's job or it's my kid's job. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And going through something that's really concrete like that and seeing like, okay, I do this, I do that. Like you do this, you do this. And seeing how they total up, like, cause we have like a little graph at the bottom and you're like, whoa. I'm doing so much here. Let's make sure we distribute this a little more equally. And then going through with your partner and really assigning the tasks to each other, being like, this is solely my responsibility. And I'm not going to tell you how to do your work. I am not going to say how it needs to be done. We can talk about general expectations for it. Like if your partner's on grocery shopping, like grocery shopping, needs to be done by like Sunday. So we have meals for the week. Like we could talk about that, but in terms of like how he does the grocery shopping, like when he does it, if he makes lists, if he doesn't make lists, it's totally up to him. So having the clearly defined tasks is the first big step because a lot of times we never have that conversation. And so we see what needs to be done and we just do it. And we'd hope our partner does the same, but they don't. Right. 
Right. And what would you say to moms who are stay-at-home moms, even in our community, staying at home as a caregiving mom, there's a ton on your plate and it's, there's a ton on your plate as a stay-at-home mom. I mean, it's just exponential when you have kids who have then therapies and medical appointments and all the things, right? Yeah. That we handle. It's very easy, I've heard, from moms to say, well, I stay at home, so I, goes back to the expectations, I guess, I Mm -hmm. should be the one that does all the things. And they feel guilty for asking. They don't acknowledge that, oh, actually, I'm working. It's a different kind of work. Maybe it's not bringing in a paycheck, but I'm handling all these things. It's not like I'm sitting around watching TV all day, Mm -hmm. all afternoon. How do we encourage moms, yes, you can divide up some of the household responsibilities, even though you stay at home. I think it's looking at if this was outside the home and it was jobs that were done by a number of people, like how many jobs would you be doing? How many jobs would it be? Would it be like a job of a physical therapist, a job of an assistant who books all the appointments, a job of a chef who plans all the meals and then cooks them, a job of a maid or housekeeper who keeps the house clean? I mean, like how many jobs do you have right now? And that would it's not feasible for one person to do all of those jobs. So looking at that first, and then just having a discussion with your partner being like, Hey, like there are so many things here to take care of. Um, I really want to make sure that we take care of the important things first, like taking care of our child, um, especially if a child has special needs, like you making that the priority and then figuring out, okay, what can you take over or what can we ask for help? doing and bringing in and making it a team discussion versus everything on mom. And I think that usually in our coaching community, when people go to their partners, if they have a partner in the home, it's usually met with, yes, anything you need to do, anything you need, like any help you need, I can help out and do it because they're in loving relationships with our partner wants to see them happy. And I think that's something that we need to remind ourselves about, like relationships where partners want to see each other happy. There should be a distribution of labor and it shouldn't be all on one person. So good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Do you think it's ever possible for the mom guilt to go away? I want to think it's possible. I want to think it's possible to minimize the mom guilt. I was joking about this, but it's kind of true. Um, I want to make bracelets to say, what would my husband do? Because like, <laughs> it, this was really illustrated for me like a few weeks ago. I was completely sick and my daughter comes in and she's like, I need green Jolly Ranchers by tomorrow for class because we need to give them out for a presentation. And I'm like, I, I'm sick. I will not be going out tonight. And thank goodness I was sick because usually I'd probably be like, fine, like I'll just get in the car and we'll do this fast. So I'm like, I'm sick. You have to go ask dad. She went to ask my husband and he's like, oh, no, I can't do it tonight. Like he just gave that simple answer. No, I can't do it tonight. You need to find something else. And then he went to relax for an hour. (laughs) Like he couldn't do it because it got into his relaxation time. And I am not like making fun of his relaxation time. I looked at that and I'm like, that is some serious self-care there that I really need to start doing for myself. 
And so when I think like, what would my husband do? He doesn't have any of that guilt. And so if I think of like, what would his reaction be? I just take that place and I'm like, okay, no, I'm not doing this right now. It would cause me so much stress and resentment and I'm not. So practicing that, thinking in terms of that, I think will help minimize the guilt. And then whenever it pops up, just talking with a friend and talking with people who get it because everyone has this guilt and it's not fixable. And it's just one of those things we need to acknowledge and intentionally move through. Ah, so good. So good. So Joanne, where can everybody find you? They can find me at noguiltmom.com. And I also host the No Guilt Mom podcast. And we have two episodes a week with my lovely co-host, Brie Tucker. We talk about everything, parenting, making it fun, as well as a lot of self-care and how you can take care of yourself as a mom. And if they want more about like how to take things off their plate, I actually have like a freebie for them where you can go to noguiltmom.com forward slash stop dash doing. And it is a checklist of seven items that you can just eliminate off your to-do list. And when you eliminate these, it's actually better for your kids. It makes them more responsible. It's better for the mental load that you have, and you're making your family more responsible and calmer as well. So you can go grab that. That sounds great. Thank you so much. We love freebies, don't we? And that sounds very practical, very helpful. Is that something that we could link in the show notes? Definitely. I will send you the link. Okay. Perfect. Okay, great. Well, so good to be together. Thank you again for the time and expertise, Joanne. Thank you. It's been wonderful to be here. Thanks so much for listening today. Do us a favor and leave us a review and a rating so that this podcast can get into the ears and the hearts of more and more moms. Did you know that Brave Together podcast is an extension of our nonprofit organization called We Are Brave Together? We Are Brave Together serves an international community of caregiving moms by offering support groups that are virtual and in-person, educational resources, and low-cost weekend retreats. To join us today, go to wearebravetogether.org. Our support and sisterhood await you. Brave Together podcast is for entertainment and education purposes only and is not a substitute and should not be relied on for medical or mental health advice. The use of any content on our podcast linked in our show notes or on our website is to be done at your own personal risk. Please seek out a professional to assess your own medical or mental health concerns because we are all beautifully complex and the content of this podcast is for a broad audience.